our last Heroes episode, we dig into the life of Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth was a woman marked by an absolutely unrelenting faith and desire to obey, even in the aftermath and midst of suffering. Her ability to forgive is mind-boggling, as is her devotion to seeking God's will. Hers was a life of service, and her impact will continue to be felt for many years to come. I invite you to get to know Elizabeth better and learn from this incredible woman of God. Thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Becky, the host of the Girl on a Hill podcast, where we encourage you to stop hiding, start shining, and to be the woman you were created to be. You can download Girl on a Hill podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and now, let's head to the hill. Hey, welcome to Girl on a Hill. I am excited to be here with you today. We are recording our last hero in our hero series. I am here at home with my husband. Hello. Um, So yeah, David's here with me. It's been, I was going to say it's been a busy couple of days, but it's been a busy couple of years. You know, like we said... I can't just say weeks or months. No, you can't. It's been a season, a long mm-hmm. season. But uh, we told you on our last one, it was the last episode we recorded in our old studio, and we're not quite set up in our new one. The girls and I will be recording this coming weekend. But mm-hmm. this is a good one to have you, David, because we're talking about Elizabeth Elliot today. And if you grew up in the church at all, you know that name. And if not, I'm excited to tell you about her. But um, I'm just excited to have a pastor's perspective on this one um, just because so much of her life was steeped in ministry and a lot of her life is wrapped up with her husband mm-hmm. but she was pretty awesome in her own right mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk about that so I'm picking up her story um, when she's college aged I feel like that's kind of when a lot of us kind of get our calling or figure out who we want to be mm-hmm. I don't know so she went to uh, Wheaton College to learn Greek because she really wanted to translate the Bible, which is a super noble cause, mm-hmm. um, and hard. Right. I mean, I can't even, thinking about how to go about translating, and we'll talk about more about that later, but this this is not a simple process. But these are languages that just written word doesn't exist for. Um, 2,200 languages still don't have a Bible. Which That seems really high. I know. It blows my mind, though. Like, we take it for granted. So much. Um, I got that in her, in a, I think I got that. I read the Becoming Elizabeth Elliot book to study for this. And I think I got that figure from there. Um, While she was at college, she met the man who would become her first husband, Jim Elliot. And we'll talk about his story too. They had what I would describe as a very um, quintessential, overly religious Christian couple courtship. (laughs) Like the... He had the nickname Eunuch for Christ, and he largely wanted to be like Paul. That tracks for me. Like, yeah, I can see him wanting that. Um, And it was very long and slow and lots of overthinking. And I don't know if you're the one and we should pray about it for another 10 months. And then, oh, I'm not. You know those couples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We we weren't that couple. No. We jumped in. Mm -hmm. and Yeah. And it worked out. Mm-hmm. Here we are 20 years later. Um, people assume Paul wasn't married, but there are a few people that think Paul might have been married. Didn't he say it's better to remain single as I am? 
He said it's it's better to to be single. Did he say as I am? I think so. He might have been single at that point, but there might have been a period in his life when he was married. Well, either way, mm-hmm. I know lots of couples in the church who kind of go through this back and forth. Is it God's will? Is it not God's will? I think sometimes we overthink that. And if God will bless you, if you're not doing something obviously sinful, like if it's a, they were like both Christian people, you're not saying anything. Well, I was, my mind was just, I was just thinking about, um, how the extreme where, um, like John Wesley kind of went off in that direction and he was a really, you know, really good leader in the church, but then he just basically abandoned his family mm. because he was off being Paul right. essentially, but he completely neglected his kids and his family in the pursuit of ministry. And, and so there's a whole different side story to that, but that's, I don't know if that's neither here nor there yeah, a part of this podcast, uh, no. but that's where my mind just went. So oh. back to Elizabeth and Chip. Yep. Sorry. Um, you know, bunny trails. Um, Jim Elliott's family was from Portland, which I think is kind of, I didn't know that. So local, um, she visited in 1949 and they hated her. Like they hated her. Who was they? Just Jim Elliott's family. Oh, um, Jim wrote to her and he did not have a lot of tact because he told her and told her flat out, like no sugarcoating it. He said, you made a universally horrible impression. They, right? Like, can you even imagine? <laughs> like, I can't even imagine. Um, they said she was uncommunicative, which, um, ironic, no? Someone who would devote her life to writing and speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and his sister complained that she never saw Betty, that's what she was called, Betty read her Bible or take the lead in spiritual conversation. Hmm. She was, in a word, disappointing. Wow. Like I'm, ba- I wrote baffled. Like this woman who would go on to write 24 books, host a radio program, speak at conferences and events 300 days a year, and remain a spiritual hero and mentor to just about every Christian woman was a disappointment. I wonder if that was like something that pushed her to become that kind of a person. I'm baffled that she stayed with him, or even <laughs> con. But just that, that Elizabeth Elliot was considered not good enough hits for me. She and I have both been accused of similar personality flaws and not just by the Elliots, by lots of people. And so maybe that's why I feel this kinship with her. Um, she was accused of being aloof, cold, overly introverted, and habitually reserved in nature. Hmm. So, I mean... I feel that. And I also kind of feel she was a person who also sometimes like me is so involved in the work that relationships are kind of secondary. But here's the thing. So the Elliots were very expressive and very spontaneous and they had very big charismatic personalities. And so that wasn't Elizabeth. This is what I was thinking was like, she was who she was and God used her. And I was kind of thinking that the world really needs both like it needs the extroverts and it needs the introverts and even within the same roles like because you don't know who you're going to relate to you know I know that I'm sometimes put off by the big charismatic outgoing always on people but other people need that so Mm -hmm. whoever you are 
you can be used. Mm -hmm. Even if you aren't connecting with this one particular group, well, oh, well, you might be. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I was trying to remember there was, if, if it was in a book, I think it was in a book or a podcast, but there's, there's, we, in our culture, we, we really celebrate. Um, I think it was the introvert book we read quiet. Maybe. Yep. Maybe that was it. Great. book. Um, kind of worship, even just charismatic mm-hmm. rock star personalities. And we give no credit at all to people who aren't that. Mm-hmm. And we actually, we actually discredit or we look down upon people who aren't that, especially um, when they're in leadership positions or when there's when they're like pastors, you know, if you're a pastor and you're not an ex- exceptionally extroverted, mm-hmm. hey, um, hey, charismatic, hey, yeah. woohoo kind of a person, yeah, uh, people think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. But, and I, I think that's just true for lots of ministry positions. Mm-hmm. If you're not if you're not that kind of person or that personality, then people yeah. think, hey, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you that kind of a personality? Because people also need the kind of personality we have. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit with and connect with different people. So here's the thing. This is what baffles me more is, again, that she stayed. Because Jim didn't really defend her or come to her rescue or tell his mom and sister, like, eh, you probably shouldn't talk about the girl I'm dating like that. No, he said the criticism were things he hoped would help her. like oh honey and they just continue to go back and forth this is maybe what extended that five year on again off again actually not really ever dating until right at the end kind of a thing and this shows me uh two things i I had two notes one you don't necessarily need to find your perfect match like the person who ticks off every single box Mm -hmm. for you and is this ideal not that that's not you compatible in every way say hey What's going on here? But just like, I think sometimes we think that that's the most important thing, that it has to be this, your absolute dream fulfillment of everything you've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's the most important thing. And number two, that the Elliots were flawed and human. Mm -hmm. Because I think we have a tendency to put people on pedestals. Mm -hmm. Um, You only do that with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, Christian culture views heroes as perfect. But their journal entries are funny and real, and it just reminded me that God doesn't need perfect people. He needs regular people who are committed to him. And they were both very flawed, but they were both deeply committed to following God's will above their own. Mm-hmm. Um, these are two quotes from her. The soul who loves God only for himself, apart from his gifts, knows indescribable peace. And the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. So they knew, they knew what was up. Mm-hmm. After graduation, Elizabeth went on a mission to Ecuador with other students, including Jim, though their ministries were still very separate um, as Jim continued to be unsure of what God wanted. When they finally did get engaged, he told her that she had to learn, and I'm going to butcher the name, Chua. She had to learn this language of the foreign people that he wanted to serve before they could marry. (laughs) Like, uh uh-huh. Yep. She married him anyway. (laughs) She spent nine months working painstakingly on translating the New Testament into the language (laughs) for this people group. Um, She had charts and notes and maps, and then it was all stolen. (laughs) 
like lost forever. And they, mm. this wasn't, I mean, they didn't have computers. There were no mm-hmm. backups. Right. Like it was gone. Um, she had been through a lot that year and it was hard for her, obviously. Um, cause she is someone who had had, I put all the smooth Christianese answers her whole life. Um, and the why for her couldn't really be answered. And there wasn't a proper spiritual answer. Um, the author of her biography said it defied the usual religious formula, which is this bad thing happened so God could X, Y, Z beyond what we could have asked for or imagined. Don't you think we like to do that as Christians? Sometimes we need to explain away all of the bad things that happen to make us feel better. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, as we've been learning, sometimes bad things just happen. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be this big spiritual answer or thing but that's hard it's a hard lesson to learn especially the first time oh yeah i mean we're we're being refined through the through the process no matter what it doesn't but that doesn't mean that when a bad thing happens there's always some kind of silver lining yeah like doesn't doesn't mean oh well this bad thing happened and but then this huge awesome thing happened in my life because of it well sometimes the bad thing happened and the only result is you grew. Yeah. <laughs> and and you grew and you became a more mature Christian as a result yeah. of it. And that's a, a a really good thing that a lot of us kind of look Maybe down the, on. The silver lining we don't want to see mm-hmm. because it's hard and painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She would later call it her lesson one of the graduate school of faith. Her first experience of having to bow down before that which I could not possibly explain. Usually we need not bow. We can simply ignore the unexplainable because we have other things to occupy our minds. We sweep it under a rug. We evade the questions. Faith's most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith vain. Can you read that last one again? Faith's most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seem to prove our faith vain. So here she was, she'd been working towards this noble goal. Mm-hmm. This seemingly, why wouldn't God want her to translate the Bible for this people group? And then it was just lost. So mm-hmm. I can imagine where that would feel like your faith is in vain. Like, what are you doing, God? I'm trying to do this work for you. And it's in those moments. I mean, and we have been there Mm -hmm. so many times. It's hard. Is this the same people group at the end of the story? Do they go to other people groups? Different. Okay. I mean, same area, but not the. Yeah. Um, She said, too, it is in our acceptance of what is given that God gives himself. When we roll with what happens, we, Mm -hmm. we meet God there. In 1953, the Elliots were married and continued to serve in Ecuador. And so, true to form, they were married out of necessity to serve. (laughs) A father asked the missionary men in the area to serve and set up a school. Ed and Pete, two of the other men who would meet their end with Jim later, were already committed elsewhere. So, in true Jim Elliott style, he asked, How soon can you marry me? So that he and Betty could establish the mission. Mm-hmm. So not romance. Not romance. Out of duty. Duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that 
all of that courtship, all of that back and forth for 10 minutes at a city hall without family, friends, or even address. <laughs> but I think that too, and I, as I'm studying for the book I'm writing, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that too. I think we romanticize marriage sometimes where we think it has to be all about romance and the stuff you see on TV when I think God has a bigger purpose for it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. In 1956, Jim and four others went into the jungle to make contact with the wow Donnie. Do you know how to say that? Am mm-hmm. I saying that right? If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize. Two women and a man spent the day with them. What they didn't know was that the man wanted to marry the younger of the women. When they went back to the jungle, the younger woman's brother expressed his refusal of that marriage, and the two got into a killing rage, which was the way this tribe settled conflict. The man spun lies and turned the tribe's anger of him against the missionaries, claiming they had tried to kill them and had ill intentions. Hmm. So the tragedy that happened to Jim Elliott and the other missionaries is all because hurt ego, pride, and this web of lies from this tribe that settled things through killing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, the the men were in the jungle serving, and this wasn't this was their first real in, like conversations with the tribe, and it and it they didn't meet their end immediately after it was back and forth, and they were flying planes over and dropping supplies and thinking it was going well, back and forth. Um, Nate Saint was uh he flew the plane, and he was one of the the men, and his last radio transmission was one of joy as he had seen the tribe approaching the men had, I mean, they were living for making contact with these people. That was mm-hmm. what they felt their whole mission was. And his last radio transmission was, this is the day, pray for us. And it was the day, but it was the day uh, all of them would die at the hands of the Waldowney people. Um, one of Elizabeth's first entries in her new journal, she was an avid journaler, started just three weeks after Jim's death, said this. Oh, how I pray for conforming to the acceptable will of God. I do not want to miss one lesson. What is there left to do? Obey, and my eyes shall be open to the next thing. Like, I can't even imagine to write that three weeks if you died, to be speared on this mission you'd been planning for like your whole life mm-hmm. that you'd built up all this momentum and then you were killed by a tribesman. And then three weeks later, like, okay, God, I just want to know your will. And if I obey, I'll know the right thing to do. Like that, that's hero status right there. Mm. She also said the only two things that remained that she looked forward to were the return of Christ and her going to the Waudani. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I can't even imagine. Can you, ima- can you imagine if a, if a people group killed me, mm-hmm. desperately wanting to go connect with them? No. I can't even, I can't even fathom. Right. I would want to go with them, but not with the same intentions. Right. Yeah, probably revenge would be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She prayed this. Lord, if you want me to do something... Anything about the Wadani, I'm available. 
I'm blown. I'm blown. (laughs) I want to mention that due to the way she'd been raised and due to the education she'd received, she'd been taught that showing emotion was weakness Mm -hmm. and she'd been scolded and she scolded at least one of the other widows for crying and she chastised herself in her journals for her grief. Like she beat herself up for being sad and she told the other widows to suck it up. But again, I mean, that's a product of how she was raised. She went Mm -hmm. to boarding school. Her parents were like that. We need to watch what we say to our kids, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. She was recruited that year to write Through the Gates of Splendor, which details Jim's death. And if you've been raised in the church, you've probably read it. Um, And then she left the safety of New York. And went back to Ecuador. So she had this whole time away. She was put up in a hotel for a year. Like. Cushy times. I should say that she wasn't on her own either. She had a child. Like. They had a child. Hmm. But. So. No. I'm going to go back to Ecuador. And her next battle. Was with Rachel Saint. Nate Saint's sister. And this sounds familiar too. Because their differences. Were based on. Uh, ministerial differences and clashing over how we should do ministry mm-hmm. is something that unfortunately we know about. David tells all the time, like churches split over carpet color. Oh, a lot less than that. Over, over, uh, someone was telling me about whether, whether the clock should be in the front of the auditorium so the church could see the clock. Or in the back of the auditorium so the pastor could see the clock. And that was enough for them to decide mm-hmm. whether to stay or go. Yeah. The placement of the clock. Yeah. And I said, well, why not just buy two clocks? <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy solution. Wow. But yeah. 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 There have been fights over very, very, very small, small things. things in the church. I mean, the, over the, you would have no idea. Mm-hmm. Not over like biblical theology, over minuscule ridiculous things. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fact that she did not get along with this other woman who was also faithfully giving her life to serve after Mm -hmm. a loved one had been taken um, is not surprising. Um, They did not get along at all. And it was totally based on biblical organizations, differences in policy and execution. They, uh, they were they were working for ba- basically different translation companies, mm-hmm. um, and I guess one I can't remember which one was the bad one. What they've changed their tune since then, but it was I mean over policy and how to run and this it just it still happens. Um, Rachel was on the side that was clamoring for PR, and yes, reaching for people with Christ, but with the underlying intention of getting a win for her organization. So they were about making the organization look good. Mm-hmm. And so she was going on talk shows and kind of exploiting tribe people. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth wasn't really about that. Um, Betty, though, through a series of coincidences, or were they, was <laughs> able to make contact with a uh, wow, Donnie, in November of 1957. And one of the first people she met was the same older woman her husband had made contact with. As soon as possible, she went back, gathered supplies, and made plans to live with these two women. Now, in a neighboring area, not their actual village. Um, 
and she really longed to learn their language. So she thought, if I live with them, I can pick up enough to complete this work. On one of her first days, the Waodani attacked, killing a man and taking his young wife hostage. Their spears were decorated with torn Bible pages. Hmm. And she continued. She lived with the two women back at her home for a time and was eventually, although not super happily, reunited with Rachel Saint and her organization's poster child as the first Waldani convert, a lady named Dayuma. Rachel Saint's organization was like really pushing the PR thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Long story short, ministry is never simple. The two women and Dayuma went into the jungle and came back inviting Betty, Rachel, um, and a few others to come and live with them. Okay, and she went. She went to live with the people in their home that had killed her husband. Like, I can't even, I can't even. Um, With her child, went and lived with them. She said, she blows me in my mind. If a duty is clear, the dangers surrounding it are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God's asked you to do it. It doesn't really matter if it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. The light, the t- This is a thing. This was on the cover of Life magazine. Can you even like comprehend the last time a Christian hero was on the cover of Life? Not for a scandal. <laughs> I could see that now. Like if a pastor like had a big fall right. from grace, they'd cover it. Um, but the Time Life headline read, Child Among Her Father's Killers, Missionaries Live with Waodani. So, like, this, people cared. People mm-hmm. really still cared about missionaries back then, which is mm-hmm. super cool, and I wish that was still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she spent two years ministering to the tribe that killed her husband, and she would not give up on the people. Perhaps one of my favorite stories from her life is that she, I'm going to cry, ultimately befriended one of the men who had killed Jim and the others. Mm-hmm. You know that you knew that mm-hmm. super cool. You can see his picture. He's all over the internet. And more so that man went on to travel the world telling about the transformative power of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is believed to have been the one to spear both Nate Saint and Ed McCauley. And yet he would <laughs> cry. He would travel the world with Nate's son, Steve ministering together. That blows my mind, the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Look look him up. It's it's really neat. If you if you listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman's album uh, Declaration, at the end of the song No Greater Love, which is a song about Jim Elliott, um, there's a song being sung by him Aww. in his native language that he's he wrote about Jim Elliott. So you can go listen to that. Oh, yeah, on Declaration. It's a nice plug for your favorite artist. Yep. So. <clears throat> okay. Rachel, uh, I put Rachel as an intentional roadblock, which I think sometimes God does. He will plant things in our path that deviate us from the course we want to be on. And I think God planted Rachel as a roadblock in Elizabeth's life on purpose because Rachel could not be swayed. And even her organization and other people, they, she could not be swayed or worked with. 
Now, Elizabeth desperately wanted to be a linguist. That was her goal. Those were her mm-hmm. plans. She wanted to translate Bibles. And Rachel got in the way of that. And she couldn't be budged or reasoned with. And Elizabeth needed that roadblock to be there to reroute her to writing. Which is pretty rad. Like, one of the very last things Jim said to Elizabeth before he left was, teach the believers, darling. And she did. Hmm. That's important, too. Like, if you think about all of the, like, Christian women she's affected. Mm -hmm. She eventually returned to America, and she spoke all around the country. She met and married another man who partnered with her in ministry. But after four years together, he died. She ultimately married again and was married to this man until she died. She was very disheartened by what she saw in fellow believers. In how the church is run, in the fact that the church often focuses on behavior modification rather than the heart. She was upset by legalism, by ego. She was also saddened by the tendency to bolster reports based on conversion coercion and the repetition of the magic words. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before. I was raised to believe that if you say the magic words... You're saved, and Mm -hmm. you can easily get anybody to pray that prayer. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, just repeat after me. And is that necessarily a conversion? But we will do that and and give the praise report. Well, we got 63 people to raise their hand today. Mm -hmm. But then we don't follow up with those people or disciple those people or check that they understood. Yeah, if it's part of a process or a system, and they're... That's the start of their journey. It's a start of a journey or a step in... a many steps of a journey, then it's probably a a good thing. But if it's the only thing that you ever do with that person, Mm -hmm. then it's very dangerous because it makes them... all that person is to you is just a tally mark. Yeah. Check and win. But it makes that person feel like they're good. Yeah. And then... They might not be. They may go the rest of their lives thinking, oh, I'm good because I prayed that Mm -hmm. prayer, so I don't need to worry about anything. And... Yeah. She was... She was upset about Mm -hmm. that. She left the jungles of Ecuador in 1963 and began her life again. Like I said, she published over 24 books, was the longtime host of a weekly radio program. Uh, It was called Gateway to Joy, and she traveled and spoke all over the country dedicated to telling others about Jesus. A couple things I want to end with. She was marked by, I put, unrelenting faith and obedience. She was often asked if she thought her husband's mission was a success. And she was often very frustrated by this Mm -hmm. question. For her, the only thing that had anything to do with success was obedience. She thought if success was defined not by obedience, but by measurable outcomes, you are now talking about metrics, not success. Mm -hmm. So she would shortly and curtly answer the question as an obvious yes. They knew God had wanted them to go, and they went. Success. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn, like that's a mic drop, Elizabeth <laughs> Elliot. Oh. Yeah, that's and that's something you know. I very very similar in ministry is you know, we. I I think success in ministry is very similar <clears throat> is just faithfulness, mm-hmm. and there are just are very few examples of pastors anymore who are faithful to their churches and sticking out for a very long time. Um, years ago, I can't remember, 
when it was, but um, I think it was around 2017, I heard a statistic that the average tenure for a senior pastor was 32 months. Hmm. Um, That's a hard job. And it, it is a hard job. So like, but then there's, and the, and down in battleground, there's a pastor who's been the pastor of their church for 40 years. Yeah. Like this just doesn't happen no. very much. And, you know, Mike, Mike Wild, mm-hmm. you know, just retired after being pastor there for 40 years yeah. or something like that. And so for me, that's a mark, that's a mark of success. Mm-hmm. Not as, not as much about how many buildings did you build or how many people, mm-hmm. you know, did you grow by when you were there and all yeah. those other things that everyone else is looking for. Did you keep doing the work yeah. God called you to mm-hmm. do? Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like this too. For Elizabeth, the central question was not, how does this make me feel? Because boy, do we love mm-hmm. our feelings. Um, but it was simply, is this true? And if so, then the next question was, what do I need to do about it to obey God? She just got right to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Didn't really matter. She also disliked the notion of making the men's death an equation, as we so often do to make sense of bad things happening. And I kind of covered in this, this in the beginning, but she didn't like that so many people would say, Five men had to die so that X number of people could be saved. Mm-hmm. She said, cause and effect are in God's hands and should be left there. Mm-hmm. Like we, we shouldn't need to have to tie up the package and solve it all and figure it all out. Yeah, I guess you can get into all kinds of dangerous mm-hmm. territory. Like you end up essentially making, I can't remember the term for it, but you end up making God a uh, more than a murderer because like be- because if you know God knew that Jesus was going to die when the earth was created then that makes God more that there's a term for it but you know mm-hmm. a murderer with his own son like it's a really well just yeah it's just thing. a dangerous like, thing like okay well I had to kill these five men mm-hmm. in or or it's that people have free will and then God can redeem turn, everything yes redeem and mm-hmm. turn amazing from the mm-hmm. dust like God knows what's going to happen, and then he redeems what happens. Yes. Yeah. It's not like, no. Um, I think she was marked by forgiveness, because I think that takes a crazy amount of forgiveness to go live with the very people that killed your husband, mm-hmm. and, and actually love them and care about them, and it, it blows my mind. Um, I want to end with, with this, um, because we don't really have a favorable uh, view of suffering, Right. It's not like a happy today on the podcast. We're going to talk about suffering. Woo-hoo. I don't know why. That was my, my Ira Glass voice listening to This American <laughs> Life. Um, she said, and I think this is so true, and it's been true for us. The deepest things that I have learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things I know about God. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the rough place, like, just know he's there too. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's four four men in the fire. Yeah, and there's growth. I know that's not the silver lining you want, but mm-hmm. it's a great lining. Anyway, she was awesome. I really recommend the book um, "Becoming Elizabeth Elliot." If you want to read about her, not from, you know, one of her. She has lots of books. Did she write "Streams in the Desert"? She, yeah. Isn't that one of hers? I think so. 
Now, so I will say some of her books are controversial. Like? Um, you know, like on passion and purity. Oh. <laughs> she has some some viewpoints that not everyone agrees with that I might not necessarily agree with. But I feel like that that's important too, because I feel like sometimes we feel like we can only agree with and learn from the people that we no, it's not her. agree with everything on. You know? Like and that's not that's not true. You don't have to agree agree with these people on everything. They're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can learn from everyone regardless of whether you have a few. Mm-hmm discrepancies but anyway this was a fun series yeah good like people it. good lady i wish yeah. i could have been in on the mr rogers one. Oh, mr rogers everyone loves mr. not rogers. that elizabeth elliott isn't amazing but i've been doing a lot of reading and research on mr rogers so he's pretty amazing yeah. i want to be him yep i've been wanting to be mr rogers for several years now yeah I really want to be Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. I want to be all of these people, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I picked them. Anyway, so I will be back with the girls next week. We are starting a new series. Uh-oh. What is it? It is on... I'm calling all my notes are labeled stress month. So kind of just digging into the physiology and the heart and the mind of the matter and how we cope with it and think it's going to be good because i think we've all kind of been in that place and it's time to get out of that place getting stressy unstressy unstressing it i don't know if i've ever been unstressy so maybe that's new (laughs) i was a stressed out child Mm -hmm. and that's a point i'm going to bring up so anyway stay tuned for that um and thanks for being here david my pleasure happy to help happy to be here i was trying to figure out which one to say and then Mm -hmm. So I just I totally didn't promise him a bowl of ice cream for doing this for me, <laughs> but I appreciate it anyway. All right, we're gonna go put our kids to bed. Uh, thanks for being with us, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Girl in a Hill podcast. Please help us out by sharing the podcast with your friends, connecting with us on social media, and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. We're here to climb the hill with you as we all work to stop hiding, start shining, and be the women we were created to be. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.